Hello, uh, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, uh, whichever time you are uh, starting to listen to this podcast and welcome to this month's version of Sweet Talking. So this month uh, we're going to have a, well, chat so to speak about the whole issue of obesity. It's all in the news and quite understandably so. Uh, what with all the data sets uh, suggesting about the increased risks or poor outcomes with COVID-19 uh, when you've got obesity in the background. And uh, it's uh, definitely whetted my appetite because I must say, I must admit, personally, uh, I haven't hugely been involved in the field of obesity. I'm aware of it. And as an endocrinologist, obviously, you do get referred patients as to whether they've got background pathologies like thyroid problems or Cushing's uh, syndrome or disease, so to speak. But bar that, um, I'm fully aware of what goes on around with obesity, but never been really sort of delved into it. So it certainly whetted my appetite when there's a lot of conversation going on. Obviously, there's a lot of news around what's going on around in the wider domain. So I um, delved a little bit into it. I had a look at the literature um, and it was a bit about challenging my own um, sort of uh, views as well. I mean, uh, as well documented, well known, uh, my views about, for example, the issue of diet. And uh, I think beyond the whole debate about what is the perfect diet, I've always said in inverted commas, the best diet in the world is the one you can tolerate, you can sustain, and most importantly, uh, you can afford. So tolerating all diets is not possible. Sustaining it is pretty difficult. And if you look at a lot of long-term studies, if not all, uh, it's the losing the weight isn't the issue, it's keeping it off is the main issue. At least that's my understanding of all the data and science I read. Um, But for me, the biggest thing, and it goes back to uh, what Julian Tudor Hart said in his inverse care law paper, or indeed all of Michael Marmot's work, affordability is a key issue and about access to good food or healthy food, whatever you feel the food may be. Um, and, you know, I think it's all very well for us clinicians or people from a slightly position of privilege to say you should eat X, Y and Z. But you know, I suspect it's much more easier to sort of let people uh, know what they should and shouldn't eat. But I suspect it's very difficult for a mum of three, for example, to trying to keep two jobs down. And uh, it's very easy to tell her from the end of a table or the end of a tweet that you should eat, I don't know, bacon and avocado for breakfast and not touch your bread. Uh, but slightly we forget about uh, when you're struggling with money, then Iceland food, etc. are all available at much cheaper cost, etc. So... But that's just not me. All the data tells you that very clearly about the issues of socioeconomic deprivation and whether it's adult obesity levels or childhood obesity levels, deprivation matters. But deprivation matters. What you can afford matters. So um, that's my view about the whole diet thing. And uh, then I looked into the whole world of uh, tiers of care, which, uh, yeah, that was interesting. And I'll come back to that in a minute. But uh, before that, I think uh, a few kind friends have helped me sort of develop this podcast in these times. And uh, um, to begin with, uh, have a listen to a very good colleague, a very good friend, a views I very much respect, um, and is a, uh, a specialist in his own field. Uh, Dr. Abbott Tarani is a senior lecturer in metabolic endocrinology and obesity medicine at the University of Birmingham. And it's quite interesting to hear his views about what he sees as uh, obesity management, the present tiers, and what we should do going ahead. The tiered integrated weight management system or pathway in England was developed in response to the increasing prevalence of obesity. Tier one 
is the prevention and public health tier. Tiers two, three, and four are the weight management and obesity treatment tiers with tier four focusing on bariatric surgery. This current tier system failed to deliver on what it was supposed to do when it was first, first initiated. The prevalence of obesity in the UK is still increasing and we certainly have not had a drop in the prevalence of obesity. And access to tiers two, three and four is very variable across the country. And in terms of tier four and bariatric surgery, the UK does one of the smallest number of bariatric procedures compared to its European, to its European comparators. And if we calculate the number of procedure per the number of people eligible for bariatric surgery, we find the UK really does very little bariatric surgery compared to many other nations. Tiers two and tier and three, despite probably being able to achieve clinically meaningful but modest amount of weight loss, there is currently little data about their, their long-term impact on weight as well as other health outcomes related to weight management. And they suffer from high dropout rates as well as many patients who actually within these programs may not be able to achieve even modest weight loss. Hence, the weight losses achieved in tiers two and three are unlikely to have any impact on reducing the demand for bariatric surgery. Furthermore, tier three role as selecting the appropriate candidates for bariatric surgery is even made more difficult by the lack of evidence in this area about any significant predictors of post-bariatic surgery outcomes. And due to the current structure, and considering that tier two, tiers two and three and four do, are not funded by the same authorities, that created some difficulty in people moving across the tiers. And hence the tier system did not provide flexible care to people living with obesity. What we need is a system that delivers the appropriate care for the person at the right time and that allow treatment escalation when indicated and needed without barriers. And such system need to be accessible across the country to a wide range of people living with obesity who require and who want to have treatment. Hence, we feel that there should be only two tiers, one tier for prevention and one tier for treatment. And the tier for treatment will allow the patient to receive the most appropriate treatment for them in a timely manner and will allow treatment escalation without delays and without setting up the patient for failure by repeating the same treatment, the same treatments that did not work previously again and again. And there need to be an expansion in the provision of tier four, i.e. bariatric surgery. And having one tier system for treatment will also allow other members of the multidisciplinary team to provide a very important input to people who had bariatric surgery, but still require medical care and attention, either because they develop some mental health disorders after surgery, or because they developed eating disorders, or because of certain complications or weight regain. And although these are by far not the majority of people who have bariatric surgery, providing appropriate medical care for them is essential. And currently this is lacking from the system. This one tier for treatment need to include all the treatment options from commercial providers to lifestyle interventions to behavioral interventions, including intensive behavioral therapy to pharmacotherapy 
two, including bariatric surgery. And now there, there are varieties of bariatric surgery and around the corner, uh, we might even start doing endoscopic bariatric surgeries. And hence there need to be this appropriate skill mix in order to be able to select the appropriate treatment to the appropriate patient at the right time of their lives. Because what is important at certain stage of life may be different for another stage of life and hence the treatment could be different according to the age group and according to the patient life journey. Now, if you take Abed's views forward, what about people who have obesity or live with obesity? So going further, uh, I had the opportunity and I, or I have had the opportunity to know Sarah LeBrock, uh, one of the directors of Obesity UK, a charity who is dedicated to improving the lives of people living with obesity. And um, it would be interesting to hear what Sarah has to say about the present situation, what she feels might be the way ahead uh, as regards improving care. Uh, as regards uh, lives with obesity. My name is Sarah LeBrock and I'm a director of Obesity UK. So what should obesity care look like? I think it needs to be like a toolbox. I think we need to have access to multiple um, options and then people can choose what works best for them. Because what we can't have is a one-size-fits-all approach, which is kind of what we've had to date. So I think we need to have psychological support, um, whether that's talking therapy or CBT or something along those lines. I think we need to have more access to um, nutritional adv advice and more um, <coughs> access to... Um, physical activity advice, so for people that maybe have um, low mobility, kind of what they could do in their homes, just so that people can get a little bit more active. We also need to look at things like pharmaceutical interventions, so look at the products that are coming to market or the products that are currently available and see kind of where they can fit into things because there are there are a number of products now that work on your gut hormones um, and hunger um, and these have shown, the evidence on, on these products are, are showing some great results, especially some coming through the pipeline and um, the results are looking like um, similar to, to um, those of bariatric surgery um, which leads me on to um, the next option of surgical intervention so bariatric surgery uh, so gastric bypass, gastric band um, or a gastric sleeve um, are the shown currently to be the only cost effective treatments for treating obesity. So we need to have more access to these because currently um, we do about five to six thousand a year. And when you compare that to the rest of Europe, we're actually massively behind because the likes of France and Germany do about 50 to 60,000. So we really are behind. So we just need more access to all of these things. And as I say, people might need all of them or some people might just need some. Some of them but it's a case of having a toolbox that we can then choose what we want from it um, and people can then have a, a, have a choice and I think ultimately that's what this is all about. Now if you then think about we, we so we've heard from Abed we've heard from Sarah and then I think the next question is where does it fit in you know one of the big clamor as you know is about bariatric surgery you know is that the is that the sort of holy grail we should aim at and um, again, a colleague who's a general practitioner, Steph DiGiorgio, um, who has had bariatric surgery herself, um, was very kind to give her views as to what she felt about all the things going on and where we should be going with our management of uh, obesity and what she feels about the present declarations coming out about obesity management. My name is Stephanie DiGiorgio. I'm a GP and I'm also someone who has had obesity for a significant proportion of her adult life. When I 
started thinking about obesity seriously. I did it because I couldn't fix myself. I was a GP, <clears throat> I was experienced, but every time I lost weight, I regained it. And being a determined woman, I thought that I must be failing somehow and that this was my fault. And I sent my family away for the weekend and thought, right, I'm going to look up what it is about obesity, what do I understand? And I realised that I knew nothing, actually. Um, my medical training hadn't taught me about obesity and certainly hadn't taught me about the science of obesity. So I got to the end of that weekend and realised that actually for me, probably um, surgery, metabolic surgery or bariatric surgery was going to be the answer. And why am I talking about this? Well, Partha very kindly asked me to give my perspective on perhaps what we need to do next. And I know some of my colleagues have done this, but when I talk about my obesity and, and the um, learning that I have, I often entitle my talk, Getting Fat, Trying to Get Thin, because that's what happened to me. I was doing high intensity interval training. I was going on boot camps and I'd lose the weight um, because most people can lose weight, but then I would put it all back on with a little bit more, which I now know is normal. I now know that that's the science and the disease of obesity. So when I'm reading about the new obesity strategy and what the government is going to suggest, I am getting increasingly frustrated. The vast majority of people who have overweight or obesity know what the problem is. They, you don't need to tell them that they have overweight or obesity, but telling them to ride a bike to work isn't going to fix the problem. And we need to differentiate between people who have perhaps a few pounds to lose and people who have significant overweight and obesity who have developed significant changes in their body due to the disease of obesity. So what do we need to do? We need to take it seriously. We need to stop trying for the quick fixes because they don't work. They never have and they never will for this. We need to invest in psychology and psychological support. We need to have weight management services that really work, that include psychology, that include some nutrition, that include stress management, that include learning about sleep. Then we need to talk a little bit about what goes into the body and then we need to talk about exercise. What we don't need is small, short, 12-week courses for people who have four or five stone to lose. That simply won't work. I hope that this podcast that Path is going to put out will be helpful. And I hope that we will all learn something from it because if we're going to look after our population, COVID or non-COVID, learning to manage obesity and overweight properly is going to be a challenge and something needs to change because doing what we've always done isn't working. So three fantastic, interesting views, very much their own personal opinions as to what they feel obesity, obesity management should be like. And, uh, you know, I, I'll give you my views towards it. Very frankly, I think independently, and let me put this very, very clearly, 
This has got nothing to do with which uh, company I have ever worked with. Because let me be very clear, because I know there's a lot of angst. As soon as you say anything about people, about diets, that it becomes very polarized, becomes very much the view that, okay, you don't like low carb because you've got X, Y, and Z. So let me be very clear. Any patient of mine who's trying low carbohydrates, I have never discouraged them. I never intend to discourage them. If that's what you feel is going to help you, please carry on, right? I'm here to help you with advice to try and ensure that if you've got a background diabetes, then you don't have any hypos because of the lowering of carbohydrate. That's pretty much it. If you can afford it, if you can tolerate it, and most of if you can sustain it, please carry on. So that's my personal view. Uh, I do not feel it's the one and only thing. I do feel it's one of the options on the table. And uh, to, again, I uh, to all the people at the back who are very, very loud in their views that if you don't follow their views on low carbs, it's all very wrong. Well, I don't believe so. I, I personally am not advocating you should go straight to medications. I think there should be other diets on the on the table. There's obviously a low-calorie diet. You may or may not like it as a low-carbohydrate advocate, but it is an option on the table. And I personally believe all those options should be on the table for everybody to choose according to their personal circumstances. And then the NHS or the health system should be able to support them maintaining it. And there's a wide responsibility of government to try and tackle issues around affordability, around deprivation, to try and make sure this is all possible. That's my personal view around it. Um, I also don't think the present system of tiers uh, of obesity management is uh, fit for purpose. That's my personal view. That was built on the NICE guidelines back in 2014. We're six years down the line. Plenty of evidence have come through. And to be fair to the people who do low carbohydrates, it is time to look at the evidence on that. It's time to look at the low calorie evidence. It's time for NICE, I think, to look at the whole evidence base. And as Dr. Tarani mentioned, I personally believe there should only be two tiers, right? I think, you know, there should not be a separate tier three, which tends to be as a gateway to get to bariatric surgery. I think they should be amalgamated where people going into that tier should have the option to choose whatever they want to after they've been through all the possibilities of dietary interventions. And all those options should be made available to patients to choose which tier they want to go to. Two tiers, make it simple, make it straightforward. Let's not make it too complicated with an overarching aim uh, across the system trying to improve deprivation. Well, that's my simplistic view on obesity. Uh, and hopefully you uh, find this podcast useful. Uh, and just to uh, wrap up this podcast, uh, a view from uh, Greg Fell, uh, Director of Public Health in Sheffield, who has been kind enough to give his views for this podcast. Hi, my name is Greg Fell. I'm Director of Public Health in Sheffield. Uh, just a brief set of thoughts on the tiered model of obesity. Um, in short, seems a bit tired to me. Time for a review, I think. Um, people often say, well, t- this is prevention versus treatment. It's an either or. No, it's not an either or for me. It's a both. Um, it's important to note that for me, uh, investing in tiers 2, 3 and 4 treatment of obesity won't really change the population prevalence unless we invest a huge amount more than we do now. Um, we do have kind of overdeveloped hopes that, that, that treatment will make a population level impact. It won't. Parallel smoking cessation changes population prevalence by about one quarter of a percent per year. Um, the other stuff makes the, is the stuff that makes the difference, price, advertising availability, and thus it's the same around obesity. So, so on to tiers. Um, makes for operationally easy commissioning, um, maybe. Um, but that only makes an overall impact if we've got a genuinely integrated model 
Um, ditto operationally easy delivery, maybe, um, but if it's at the cost of an um, integrated model, then the disjoints can be more problematic than they're worth. Um, tier, we focus on in on the tiers, we tend to lose sight of the whole. Um, we tend to forget the bigger picture if we're focused tier by tier by tier. Um, and the, dif the different components of the, each of the tiers just don't connect with each other. So, um, you know, you've got to, in your commissioning and your delivery, make make, make a sense of the whole um, and all of the other agendas. Um, the, the different set of actors, interventions, underpinning philosophy in tier one is radically different from the rest. Um, and are tiers really necessary? I don't don't wholly buy it. Um, we don't have a tiered model of smoking cessation. We don't have a tiered model of rheumatoid arthritis care. Um, why why the tiered model of obesity care? And I think I'll end with the caveat is that if you don't agree with this, uh, please please don't get angry. Uh, please don't get annoyed. It's just a view. It's just it's a democracy. Uh, I have not uh, insulted anybody, or at least try not to, in this blog uh, or podcast. I'm, I have not made any personal attacks. So please don't do that in return. Uh, all I'm saying is that this is my personal view uh, about what I think obesity management should be like. I think there should be options available about diet, uh, medication, surgery, and I do think that there is a bigger role of all of society to try and uh, look at deprivation. That's my personal position on it. Um, but there you go. So um, hopefully that's useful and uh, hopefully you've found some differing views to it. Will things change? I think there needs to be much more big, bigger dramatic changes if you want to tackle the issues of obesity. You know, nearly two thirds of the population is over, overweight or obese. Nearly 30% of the population is obese and there's certainly a need to do something about it. So how do we do it? Well, I'll finish with this. You certainly don't do it by shaming anybody. You certainly don't do it by shouting at anybody. And you certainly don't do it by uh, telling people what they should do without being in their shoes. And you certainly don't do it for sitting from a position of privilege. So that's uh, pretty much my take on the whole issue of obesity. So hope you enjoyed that and um, look forward to the future, further chats, further podcasts, further discussions, but hopefully you found that useful. Thank you, take care, and till the next time.